Welcome to Mystical Musings, December 13th, 2015. Here in the Mile High City of Denver, in the Art of Life Gallery with Myron McClellan and me, Lawrence Phillips. We're here today in the Art District on Santa Fe Drive, which offers the largest concentration of art galleries in Colorado. Those of us who identify as spiritual but not religious, who are non-sectarian, non-denominational, non-doctrinaire, are the fastest growing demographic of the sacred communities in America. Thank you for joining us today. Creating our community of mystics, people finding unity with God, the breath of life, the gentle whisper, the great spirit. As a community of mystics who know beyond the intellect, spiritual apprehension of truths. I am because we are. I am because we are one, celebrating body and spirit. Our mystic portal this month, joy. It has been the strangest journey for 12 years now that every time we take a topic, we get the topic and its opposite. Every single time. So from William Blake in The Marriage of Heaven and Hell, joy and woe are woven fine a clothing for the soul divine. Neath every grief and pine runs a joy with silken twine. Human beings are made for joy and woe. And when this we rightly know, through the world we safely go. If you would bring your attention to your breathing and let it deepen a bit. Good idea. Uncrossed legs, open position, a little more free flow of the energy. Deepening the breath into your heart. Imagining planting a seed in your heart of your favorite flower. Imagining the seed germinating and growing and budding and blossoming. This precious flower is our joy. Remembering that acknowledging the preciousness of each and every day is a good way to live our lives. A good way to reconnect with our basic joy. Don't we sometime in the frenetic pace of our world forget about our joy? We get caught up in the mundane, 
the frenetic, our have-tos, our sufferings. We celebrate our lives and practices by connecting with our joy and letting it flower. Joy is our passion for life, our curiosity. Joy is a gentle spring rain allowing us to soften and to lighten up and to enjoy ourselves, providing a new way to look at our suffering. Mom died this past Friday. She died peacefully in her sleep, as she wished. May God bless her soul. Mom fell in July. She had had a dozen falls. She had announced to me three years ago that she was going to stop taking all her meds. And she had a dozen. And I said, but mom, if you're going to stop taking your meds, you probably are going to fall. Blood pressure, lightheadedness, all that. And she said, I know. And I said, well, okay, you get to choose that if you want it. I believe we all have that right. But there will be repercussions, probably. She said, I know. I told her that several more times. And each time, she would say to me, I know. And then, and then she fell the last time in July. And she broke a vertebra. And it changed everything. And she was hospitalized. And she never walked again. She didn't participate in physical therapy, just refused. She didn't eat much or drink much, but she loved her chocolate milkshakes. <laughs> Truth be told, mom had decided sometime after dad's death on the vernal equinox of 2012 that she just didn't want to be here. But she and I made the best of it. We developed a relationship and a friendship for the first time in our lives. And that's been exceptional. It accompanied doing a lot of work on my part as power of attorney executor, but it was worth it. It was really wonderful to reconnect with my mom. So there was the woe of the probable, but the joy of her rebel. She just decided what she decided and that was the way it's going to be. The vigil transformed yet again as mom moved to a nursing home, basically waiting to die. It was during this time that I started saying to her that I sent her love and angels. And I actually sent her a dozen angels. The staff at the nursing home said, no one else was surrounded by angels. It was a constant topic of conversation of all the comings and goings of people there. And mom loved the angels, as well as her Godiva chocolates. <laughs> and that's saying a lot. Mom was resolute, not much food and no movement. The combination proved deadly. And I deeply believe that if mom had wanted, she could have hung out into her middle 90s. She was 86. Easily. Her grandmother lived to 103. She had the genes. And she had better vital signs right up until the end than I do. It was crazy. Her blood pressure was insane. It was just not fair. The angels brought joy to her, 
And despite its being a really nice facility, the food at the nursing home brought her woe. <laughs> Anytime you deal with institutions, you're dealing with Murphy, as in Murphy rules. What can go wrong will go wrong. Talk about woe again and again, despite my best hopes and intentions. They were so glitchy, it just didn't stop. And yet, very well-intended people. Murphy was a definite source of joy and woe. Sometimes the glitches would come so fast and furious that you just couldn't do anything but laugh. At other times it was frustrating and woeful beyond words. There were, for me, many sleepless nights during this vigil from July through now, this Friday, but also during the three and a half years. I never married and never had any children, and now I had a child. And man, is that a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work. Hats off to all the mothers and fathers in this audience. Seriously, it's just extraordinary. I had no idea. I just wanted to share with you a few little anecdotes to give you an idea of mom. First of all, in the, this entire process, she never once complained. Not one single time. I said to Myron, they'd have to tie me down. I would have been complaining all over the place. Mom, not one single time. God bless her. When I was there in October, I was there in July and October, and when I was there in October, I was sitting with her, and all of a sudden I saw her little, tiny, frail hand shaking as it reached down underneath the sheet and pulled up something. And then I saw her lift her grilled cheese sandwich, which she couldn't stand, <laughs> and tuck this into the sandwich. And I said, Mom, what are you doing? And she said, that's one of my pills, and I don't like the taste of it. Despite a great deal of lack of dignity in this context, mom never once lost her dignity. It's amazing. Just never once. She was solid. And then lastly, one other little, little anecdote. When dad died, I was sitting with mom, going over some stuff from the bank. And I said, mom, they got your birth date wrong. They said 329. Uh, 3 uh, 21 29 and we had always celebrated her birthday as 3 30. I said mom they have your birthday wrong and she said no they don't <laughs> and I said what what are you talking about and she said I like the numbers better <laughs> that was mom The last time I saw mom was in October for four days. We basi basically just hung out, having a picnic in her room, watching TV, commenting about the news and events of that day. Each day, I asked mom gently, is there anything you want to talk about with dying and death? And each time she'd think about it, and she'd say, no, darling, there really isn't. And I asked her each day, felt like I needed to do that. It was important, so at least she had the option. And then the last day, the last day, I said, Mom, is there anything you want to talk about? And she thought long and hard. And she said, I would like to die without pain in my sleep. And I said, okay, mom, I'll do everything in my power to make that happen, to allow it to be. And that is what came to pass. She was able to die peacefully in her sleep this past Friday. 
at the end of our visit, the last time I saw her, I said, Mom, I love you. And she said, I love you too. And as I was getting up to leave, this little frail body that had been bedbound for four months, no walking, her back was severely bent like this, and she arched up out of bed, and she said, I love you, I love you, I love you. <sighs> Something I will cherish for the rest of my life. Amid all the woe of what it felt like an interminable vigil, there was great joy. And amid the woes were the unexpected joys, the twinkling graces, the amazing connection with my mom, the wonderful bond and connection with my beloved Myron, who has walked every step along the way with me. The deepening of my relationships with my siblings, which has never been a given. And it's been wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And the extraordinary deepening of my mystic practices of prayer and contemplation and meditation. And the searing learning of the total bond between joy and woe. Thank you, dear friends. Thank you for your support and love with the passing of my mom, Anne Caroline Graham Phillips, December 11th, 2015. May she rest in peace. Joy and woe are woven fine. A clothing for the soul divine. Neath every grief and pine runs a joy with silken twine. Human beings are made for joy and woe. And when this we rightly know, through the world we safely go. Namaste. We celebrate today a mystical Christmas, which is about the awakening of the Christ consciousness within us. It's the birth of that consciousness that we celebrate. We celebrate with Orthodox Christians too, absolutely. And it would be a much poorer universe if Jesus had not come. So we acknowledge that and, and rejoice at that. But we're really talking about opening our hearts to that deepest part of us, which we call the Christ consciousness. Others call the Buddha nature. Others call the great spirit within. But it is what's happening within that we celebrate. So Lawrence and I decided we would do these carols 
because it's Christmas and most of us um, grew up with them. And they have a certain energy of joy that we love to bring forth in song. Lawrence has asked me to interpret the words of this carols um, as a mystic would interpret them. So I'm going to just go through the first verse of Silent Night to talk about what it says to me as a mystic. Silent Night, Holy Night. This is not referring to a time of day. It is not referring to what we hear or what we see. It's referring to the silence within us. When we go to the Christ consciousness, we go to silence. When we go to silence, we go to that consciousness. Our real self abides in silence. And when we go to that silence, we know the holiness of it. It's a sacred si silence. And it has mystery. And that's what I take by the word night. So silent night, holy night, is about an inner state of being that we're bringing forth and celebrating. All is calm, all is bright. Because when we are in that awareness of the Christ consciousness, we have a profound inner peace. And it's an inner peace that can't be found any other way. It can't be found psychologically. Not that kind of peace. You can have peace some of the time. But this peace is the eternal peace of knowing the joy of the Creator and knowing the joy of the incarnation, the awakening of the Christ consciousness in us. So it's calm and it's peaceful and it's bright, which means that it is suffused with divine light. All is calm, all is bright. Holy, round on virgin, mother and child. Now this is the divine mother within, within us, uh, which many of us think of Jesus' mother, Mary, as the mother. It's the eternal mother that is within us that takes care of the sacred infant in us, the holy infinite uh, infant. And it's that infant, that holy infant, that awakens us to spirituality, that awakens us to life. And the, the idea of the mother holding the infant is so beautiful and so comforting and so true. Sleep in heavenly peace. Repose in the peace of heaven, which is not the peace of the psychological peace. It's a state of being that we can repose in. And reposing in it means that we don't have to go and try to find it ourselves. It is a grace. That's why we call it heavenly. It's a grace. Grace that comes to us. So that's how I would read all of these. And again, I say, however, you know, there, there's such a beautiful message given by the mu music itself and such a beautiful experience to celebrate and sing together about this amazing cosmic peace this amazing, profound, holy event of the birth of the Christ consciousness in us.
we are imbued with this highly potentiated moment now. From a mystic perspective, as well as current physics, empty space contains immense, untapped, potentiated energy. Matter is a relatively small wave on top of this ocean of energy. The energy in one cubic centimeter of space is far greater than would be available from the nuclear disintegration of all matter in the known universe. We no more see the ocean of energy than probably does a fish swimming in the ocean see the water. Mystically speaking, we live in a gigantic potentiation, a universe rich and abundant with possibility and opportunity and creativity beyond the our wildest joy dreams. that is the mystic ground of our awesome human lives. Hence, the unconditional joy that is the mystic ground of our awesome human lives. Unconditional joy, a notion that Myron came up with a few years ago in the musings as being our birthright, our fundamental come from, the place of who and what and how we most are. Paris, San Bernardino, Middle East, war, 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 desperate refugees, xenophobia, cynical, politicking, the out-of-control maiming and killing and incarcerating of black men in America, and huge climate changes. It's too easy to be a pessimistic these days. So many dark presences. Where does the optimistic seek for evidence of the positive in the human experience? Certainly we look to the aftermath in Paris and San Bernardino, the coming together in grief and solidarity of the human family, the amazing facility of humanity to share the suffering in which are always buried seeds of hope and love and compassion and possibility. And so it is with heavy hearts that we turn our gaze toward evidence of the positive about the future inherent in this moment now, highly potentiated with, by, and for joy. There are currently 7 billion mobile subscribers on the planet. 3 billion, 3 billion have broadband, high-speed internet access. Estimates are that by 2020, 90% of the global population will be broadband covered, and by 2030, broadband will be universal. This Trojan horse of technology is analogous to the invention in 1698 of the steam engine, originally tasked with removing water from mines. Over a hundred years would have to pass before the implications became manifest of the steam engine's potential for transforming and turbocharging the industrialization of the world with steamships and railroads. We are in the advent, pun, 
pun, pun. We are in the advent of connected mobile technology, which is as powerful, if not a quantum jump more so, and also at this inflection moment now, underestimated. With implications for healthcare, professionals are beginning to go in the direction of connected electronic records. For education, think the extraordinary rise of the online Khan Academy. For banking, our recent incipient evidence of banking's transformation in Kenya and other parts of Africa. For money itself, think Bitcoin, the first online global currency establishing trust without government backing. For manufacturing, think 3D and 4D printing. And on and on it goes. These predictions of an inflection point of global transformation wrought by connected mobile are reflected in other fast-changing disciplines, including genetics, alternative energy, artificial intelligence, and a new generation of remarkably powerful batteries. Changes are coming fast and sometimes furiously. Our abilities to adjust and adapt are more important than ever. Exemplified by the business imperatives of constant iteration and redefinition. Seen, for example, in Amazon, Google, Netflix, and Facebook. This joyous moment now, as incipient evidence for transformation, is beautifully and touchingly reflected in a recent Nobel Peace Prize being awarded to Malala Yousafzai, the Pakistani teenager who was shot by the Taliban and who has been effectively using her fame to promote education needs of girls in the developing world. Malala is the leading edge of a cohort of generation flux. Young talent growing up in obscure corners of the planet, poised to unleash creative transformation, all the more potentiated with the relentless growth of our global exo-nervous system, the broadband internet. From the perspective of the long view of history, technological advances have consistently improved people's lives. No doubt, great evils have been also perpetrated in the name of progress and the great imponderables of climate change, disease outbreaks, war, terrorism, nuclear proliferation are ever so present in our national and global psyches. But again, from the historical long view, fears of tomorrow have been exaggerated. Remember that global life expectancy has climbed over the centuries and in the past 10 years has improved in all regions of the world. Democracy itself, while appearing threatened, is also positioned for a giant leap forward as voting will go digital. If businesses and retailers can more or less successfully integrate identity, authentication, security, and reliability, then so can government. As generation flux comes to the polls, a generation used to one-click purchases and instant access, traditional voting will be untenable. E-voting is inevitable. Democracy is in the incipient stages of rejuvenation. And contrary to the widespread impression that technology is fostering robot mentalities, as the connected broadband planetary exonervous system grows, there is a very strong sense that we are all family. In closer cyber proximity than ever before, we will, contrary to recent xenophobia, have less license to ignore troubles wherever they are and we will all have a vested interest in keeping the peace. 
with a greater knowledge of and intimacy with each other, which will lead to greater understanding and opportunity for all. Hence, this month's candidate for incipient evidence of mass positive transformation, this joyous moment now. Shalom. Christ be with you. Assalamu alaikum. Adieu. Adios. Aloha. Namaste. We honor the place in you wherein the entire universe dwells. We honor the place in you which is of love, of truth, of light and dark, and of peace. As you are in that place in you, and we are in that place in us, in this joyous moment for which we are profoundly thankful, we are one. Namaste. Lawrence mentioned that a few years ago, I had an experience, profound, transformative experience that I could only call unconditional joy. And in that state, everything was celebrated. I was in the mountains and as I hiked, everything was sacred. 
every person I saw was sacred. I was in this state of absolute rapture, but I was in my body. I was in heaven, but the heaven was right here, which is where it is, right? And so I call that the state of unconditional joy. I had gone on spiritual retreat, and I had done a lot of extremely painful and exhausting inner work. Days of it. And it finally resolved itself, and I was at peace. And then I decided, in this peaceful state, I would hike around where there are other people. And that's when I saw everything is perfect. It's absolutely perfect. All of the joys, all the woes, it's perfect. And this is it. And this is what we're invited to open our eyes to. And I realized also at that moment that joy is a gift. It's not something we earn. <laughs> it's not something that we can generate or create. It is something that we receive. And when we're in this exalted state of awareness called a mystical experience, we understand that joy and beauty and truth and wonder and majesty and glory and profound inner peace are all the same thing. When we are in the source, the those are all the same thing. It is undivided consciousness. Absolutely oneness of consciousness and oneness with all that is and with everyone who exists. William Blake's poem that Lawrence read is really beautiful in that he says joy and woe are what's the word joy, joy and woe are woven fine woven fine a woven fine and they are you know in this time for us of significant loss there is the pain of the loss but there's also the joy of knowing She's not lost at all. It's that body, thank heaven, that she left behind. But she didn't leave herself behind. And the joy of knowing how surprised she's going to be <laughs> when she moves into that amazing state of consciousness. So that's, there's celebration and joy there. Christmas itself, the season, also brings joy and woe because it makes us aware of how much we have and how little others have. We can't just have pure gratitude for our life without sending blessings to those who are suffering in this extraordinarily difficult period we're going through. Those are just the components of compassion that is awakened in us in this time of year. And so we open our hearts to joy, and that's all it takes. Beloved mother, beloved father, we open our hearts to joy profound joy, the joy that is woven fine with woe. If it were not woven fine with woe, we wouldn't have compassion. We wouldn't be able to have empathy. It's our humanness 
It's our humanness. We need that to feel who we are, the extraordinary creations that we are. And to know our oneness with the joy everywhere and the woe everywhere. We can bring joy once it's been given us. We can bring joy to one another. And the joy that you have brought, Lawrence and me, in this time with your prayers, which we feel, with your letters, has just been overwhelming. It has filled our hearts with love. We feel loved by you anyway, but at a moment like this, the love comes in and blesses us in a very special way. And that's good because that love we can share with his mother. Right? We can give her that. It, it, and, it, and it helps. And it's, we're representing all of you. And so as she's able to open her heart to it, it really helps in the transition. That joy can also be given to Lawrence's family, his brothers, his nephews and nieces, his sister. That joy can be passed on. We can give joy and receive joy. And when we're in that state of wonderful intimacy, heart intimacy, with our friends, it's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. And it's extraordinary, the gift of being able to open our hearts to another and have that other open his or her heart to us. That is a profound joy. That is such a gift. It's, it's magical. It's wonderful. I stand in awe of it as I look at you, and I know many of you individually, and I think about how dearly I love you and how dearly I feel loved by you. It brings me to tears. And those tears are tears of joy. Absolute tears of joy. And so we celebrate this season with all others who are celebrating this season. We celebrate with those who are celebrating Hanukkah. We celebrate with all others who are this time of year because those others are just like us. They've got a heart like ours. They feel like we do. They are our people. All people are our people. And as we hold that in mind, we can reach out with our heart and bless them and receive their blessings back. And it doesn't matter what their belief is or what their orientation is, their nationality, their religion, doesn't matter. They're a part of the divine creation. The divine creation of this extraordinary thing called a human being. And so we give that joy to ourselves also that we were fearfully and wonderfully made, as it says in Psalm 139. We have been searched, we have been known, we have been blessed, we have been brought to the bosom of the father and the mother. We are cherished, we are treasured, we are loved in a way that I can't even conceive of it. As it says again in 139, Psalm 139, it is, it's so great, I can't measure it, I can't understand it that it is a reality. It is a reality. And so this season, we celebrate being human. 
We celebrate that we hurt, that we get afraid, that we get angry, that we have woe, and that loss is a part of life that tempers us and trains our hearts. Our hearts can't be open until they've been broken. So joy and woe. The joy and woe of the human creation and the magnificent beings we all are. And so we celebrate everyone today with great unconditional love in our hearts. Thank you so much for being with us today. I can't tell you how much you bless us. Namaste. In a moment, I'd like to share with you what I'm taken to calling the mystic mash. And uh, I know Myron might prefer that it be called the mystic puree, but it's not, it's not alliterative there. So the mystic mash. And it is a form of embodied prayer. The attributions are on the last sheet, and so you can feel free to take that home. But I would urge you not to be reading right now, but rather to be in prayer. And so easiest way to be in prayer is just to shut out the outer world and close your eyes and deepen your breathing. Breath from the Latin word spiritus and hence our spirit connection, our portal to spirit through breathing. And that means that we breathe outside of our habit, outside of the tendency to be shallow and to breathe a little more fully. Joy, joy is the simplest form of gratitude. I cannot even imagine where I would be today were it not for that handful of friends who have given me a heart full of joy. Let's face it, friends make life more fun. It is the supreme art of the teacher to awaken joy in creative expression and knowledge. When you're joyous, look deep into your heart and you shall find it is only that which has given you sorrow that is giving you joy. When you are sorrowful, look again in your heart and you shall see that in truth you are weeping for that which has been your delight. Find a place inside you where there is joy and the joy will burn out the pain. Live in joy, in love, even amongst those who hate. Live in joy, in health, even among the afflicted. Live in joy, in peace, even among the tr troubled. Look within, be still, free from fear and attachment. Know the sweet joy of living in the way. There is no joy like the joy of freedom, health, contentment, and trust are your greatest possessions and freedom your greatest joy. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Your joy is your sorrow, sorrow unmasked. 
Your joy is your sorrow unmasked. Some of you say, joy is greater than sorrow, and others say, nay, sorrow is the greater. But I say unto you, they are inseparable. Let a joy keep you, reach out your hands, and take it when it runs by. Joy always, joy everywhere. Let joy kill you. Keep away from the little deaths. Christmas is joy, an inner joy of light and peace. A very joyful mystic Christmas to you and yours, with love and blessings from Myron and from me, Lawrence. Namaste. Namaste.